Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. I am going to introduce to you today this gorgeous female here, um, Melissa Kigua, who is one of the more brilliant people in the universe. And uh, I'll just say, if you, I hate it when people do this for me, but I'm going to do it for Melissa anyway. Melissa is an award-winning poet, uh, one of 2020 Penn American Emerging Voices Fellows. She's also, her first po- book of poetry was selected from for This is Africa's 100 Best Books in Fiction, Poetry, Memoir, and Nonfiction. She's been a radio and television host and a producer for both commercial and broadcast radio, including the BBC World Service. Service. She graduated from the London School of Economics, which is incredibly shishi if you don't know what it is. It's like very, very up there. <laughs> and along with the London School of Economics, started a podcast called Grit and Grace, now runs her own podcast called The Idealists. Yeah. As well as running her own company. And she recently put out this beautiful journal, which I have been going, I've actually been fighting with my two-year-old child over this. <laughs> because there's something so beautiful about the whole, she calls it her booful book. It's a booful book. And it's a, it's a, as a life coach, I fell in love with it immediately because it's a self-coaching book. It takes you through uh, different prompts and exercises and ways to self-reflect. And if you go through it, I've just done the last few days. Every day it asks you to do something audacious, which I love. And I'm going to assume, Melissa, that audacity is what has brought us here together because you have done more in your very, very few years on earth than most people do in 10 lifetimes. <laughs> and you're very, that must take a lot of audacity, yeah? Yeah, it takes a lot of audacity. Thank you for reading that. Hi, everyone. I can't see you, but uh, I feel you. Mm. Um, I think audacity is the core sort of thing. I've I've been called bold all my mm. life before I even knew what it meant. I didn't I didn't understand it, and it wasn't me trying. I just I just you know was going. It just made. I went towards what made sense, mm. and so I think that. Um, there's no, there's no sort of like study around this, but I'd like to see if we, if we kind of charted like the world's most successful people and also charted the levels of their audacity, I think <laughs> that cur- the line on that curve would be, you know, it, Fascinating. It would be yeah, I, I don't think it's as much brilliance or toughness or savvy. I think it's audacity is something that we really underestimate. That's fascinating. It's like, (laughs) if a voice in the back of your head isn't going, how dare you? You're probably not being audacious enough, right? If you are not skip, can I swear? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) If you're not not scared shitless, and I can can give a story about this to kind of like- um, Oh, okay. So I am, I had- told you so first of all Martha you were on my podcast first you were on the idealists mm-hmm. and we had such a beautiful conversation yeah. um and one of the big sort of ways we connected was you you come from mormonism mm-hmm. um and i was born into a very sort of um conventional traditional missionary ask christianity right mm-hmm. um, very tied to the sort of colonial project mm-hmm. and so my decision to leave the faith right um 
life altering and all of that. But I will say that, you know, during that journey, I felt this pull towards going back to Africa. Mm. Um, had only been there once before, maybe for a week, right? Wow. Whole third culture kid born in the West. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be, I want to go back. I didn't tell anybody because I knew people would be scared and I'd get all sorts of messaging around it. Mm. But a one-way ticket. I was uh, wow. I was 20. Um, landed at the airport, felt like something told me this is it. You know, mm. this is where you're supposed to be and ended up staying for four years. Wow. Um, the, co- the political context around that, I started my career as a journalist. And so I had just come out to my family as queer. Um, my mother had sort of disowned me and was like, wow. I don't have any sense of it. And at the time, if you remember, there was this big anti-homosexuality movement happening, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in Africa. And Uganda was spearheading that with legislation wow. that would, you know, criminalize people for being gay and with the death penalty. So I was going, yep. I had just I come remember. out, bought a ticket, and I was like, I'm going to go with, be with my brothers and sisters fighting this thing. Um, talk about audacity, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is so... Uh, wow. That just, I'm going to pull you back to that conversation that you and I had. And then I want to tie this back in because the, the reason I wanted to talk to you on the gathering room as opposed to any other forum is that yeah. this is where I, uh, I'm explicitly spiritual and I did not come to you as a spirit. You were not introduced to me as a spiritual person, but as you were interviewing me, we were talking about our various experiences and leaving our religions And you said that while you were at the London School of Economics, you went into a professor and I don't know exactly, please retell the story because what I remember is she told you you weren't on a spiritual quest and you were like, "Uh, yes, I am. Tell me where I'm wrong. Like, tell the story again for these folks, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I had, I had, I was going back to school. So this is after the Africa trip, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, so I'm a little older than my colleagues, you know, I wanted the pedigree. Um, and so I'd gone, I'd gone to LSE and, you know, I, I was really struggling in my classes because it was so intellectual, but it wasn't grounded in like, how does this material, how does this impact us? Right. What does this do for us? What, when we talk about these political things, or we talk about these really big things, what does it mean for the soul? What does it mm-hmm. mean for the heart? Yeah. Um, and a lot of the conversations where you have like student populations that get very angry and they're like fighting yeah. injustice, it's because where are where's our humanity in all of this? Mm-hmm. And so I remember I was going to a professor and kind of trying to, in my own way, talk about this. I, I don't think I had good language for it, but I was trying. And um, she stopped me in the middle and said, Melissa, you don't come to the LSC for spiritual enlightenment. You come uh... for intellectual rigor get it together. That's right. I said, okay, put the mask back on and then went, went forth. But, but I was like, but I'm here because I care. I'm here because I have a soul. Yeah. No, they go together. And, and my experience at Harvard, when my son was diagnosed with Down syndrome and I started wondering about what is the meaning of a human life is the same thing. You're there to have intellectual rigor and this child will never have it. And I was like, but is that what makes life worth living? No, it's about the heart. It's about the soul. It's about joy. And a lot of people don't quite get how you can be in 
the culture that is intellectual or activist or whatever it is that you or or financial you've done really well there how do you do that while carrying forward a pure spirituality and and how does that work into your life and how is it all the many things you've done from your poetry to your business to your podcasts the, your drive as a spiritual being seemed to me to be at the bottom of all these things. Yeah. And I wanted you to talk about that with us here on The Gathering Room to tell us how, what is your practice? I mean, this journal has wonderful practices, but what is your practice to maintain this vibrant spirituality and yeah. deal with and, and go to these incredible adventures and do all these audacious things? How do you keep that up? <laughs> yeah, I love this question. I've never been asked. And I think the reason I've never been asked goes towards why it's been happening. So if I think of myself, um, if I think of my little girl self, very mm -hmm. precocious, you know, but no, I wasn't supposed to become this person. Hmm. I, I wasn't, there was no like model for this. I'm not, I don't yeah. come from a wealthy family. I don't come from one of those sort of like black elite families that was like, oh, you can go to the ball and you can do that. That was not the story. I wasn't even of the, you're going to become an engineer, doctor, or a lawyer. It was hmm. just like, bro, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. I, you know, get it how you can find it. Wow. And and I used to harbor a lot of sadness around that, that there wasn't like a path or a specific intentionality about how me or those in my family were raised. But now I actually think that was my greatest gift. Hmm. I was allowed to be. <laughs> wow. Whatever, right? Because there was there was no expectation that I'd become anything. I could be anything. So is that how, sorry to jump back, but is that how you could go to Uganda during the anti-homosexuality crackdown? Like, it's one thing to be allowed to be free. It's another thing to be so like in your own, so self-possessed that you can go against a culture that is literally murderous toward you. Like, how, did you just grow up in, in your freedom? Did that give you this strength or... You, you have said to me before that you've been through difficult experiences and it's the bounce back from that that's given you so much strength. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit, bit about that because everybody here has been down and out. And yeah. that's the time when you say, oh, I can't do anything. Looking at your bio, it's like you've never been down and out. Mm. But I don't think that's the whole story. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, I mean, I how do I say this? It's... It's, it's reckoning, right? It's reckoning. So I can give, I can, I can, there's, there's the practical and then there's like the, what I've done. So if I think of some of the hardest moments I've had, mm -hmm. you know, again, like we're talking, we're talking poverty, we're talking, you know, all sorts of things, grow up seeing domestic, so many things, right? Yeah. Um, something that I realized and this was just in being in just like being in the world. So for example, I remember once uh, I was I was I, I had such a heavy heart, and a friend had invited me to this wooded area, you know, just to kind of catch up and, and talk. This friend was very bohemian. Um, and she kind of went, she had sort of went on her own sort of adventure. And I sat at the base of a tree. Mm -hmm. I sat down with my back against the tree. Mm -hmm. And I just started wailing. 
wailing, 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 wail. I might have been there for an hour. You know, people, wow. me, they heard me, they went the other way, right? Wow. I shed. But I felt like I was connected to the, to the spirit of that tree that had called me to sit there and release it all out. Wow. Right? So when we talk about practices, yes. um, I think some of it is just, you got to get primal with it, mm. you know, um, because you're operating outside, outside the bounds of, of, um, of the rules and the rule yes. book. And therefore you need to find teachers that will speak to you from all angles. In your book, The Way of Integrity, you talk about soul teachers mm -hmm. and it might be a book, a circumstance, it might be a person, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have just allowed that all things are my teacher, wow. right? Because if I, if I had, if I believed those who were put in my path as the authority, mm -hmm. I, would not, I would not have become, they were lying to me. You're not wow. supposed to do that. Don't do that. Don't become that. Why would you think that? Why right. would you go there? But if I look at the tree, you've been here a thousand years, a hundred years. You're older yeah. than all this wisdom. You know what it means to be gnarled and grow outside of yourself. You know what it means to be rooted into the plant. You know what it means to be connected to all things. Yeah. You know what it means to be chopped down. You know what it means mm -hmm. to grow in a suburban area or to grow in the wooded area. You know what it means to be alive. So I, I you asked me, what's my practice? Let's, yes, that's the first part is like finding teachers everywhere. And do you find like, was that one tree? Did it feel a certain uh, difference for you? Was it magnetic? Was it lit up? Do you find, are there teachers that show up every day? How do you find the teacher? Oh, these are good. I've never been asked these questions before. Martha. I'm just asking them because I want to know. <laughs> I need help. Um, seriously, I love the idea of going out looking for teachers. And your book encourages a type of perspective that makes you look around you to see what will inspire you. But when you saw that one tree, how was it different? Uh, it, 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 it was, it was a pull. So one of the oh. questions that I ask in, in, in the book is like, how do you know when you know, how mm -hmm. do you know, right? So for all of us, it's different. Some people hear it, right? Hmm. Um, some people feel it. Some people it's an, it's a, you know, we call intuit, intuition can show up in a number of different ways. Some people dream it. So it's, it's important to be connected to that. You know, I know that, um, if I'm pulled towards something, I should probably go in that direction. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not for my safety. It's for my evolution. Oh, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. And that pull, as you know, my whole thing is to uh, break free of culture where it doesn't honor your true nature. And I actually, Ro and I, uh, my partner and I were doing this uh, podcast with Eric Zimmer, who does, and his partner, Ginny, and we were talking about how we all live spiritual lives. And they talked about this pole, this magnetic pole that, and we all sort of had felt this. And now you're saying it too. And it, and we were talking about living life without a script. Yeah. And a lot of people see that as a problem. There's so much change that nobody has a script for how the world is going to be and what they should be within it. And you were given no script from the beginning, except for a really, really difficult script of like, uh, you know, bad social situations in, in every way. And yet you've turned that into the freedom to live a spiritual life while succeeding in a non-spiritual world. Yeah. And I just, 
I want to just highlight that for a minute, just to let everybody breathe in the image of this woman who has taken a, situations that look very troubling and un, uh, discombobulating and uncertain and found a way to be pulled through life to an incredible, like a string of incredible accomplishments. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. Um, we've got a question here for, for you, Jim, Melissa, from Jim, who says, would you say that many people are caught in a mental battle between doing what is audacious and doing what is comfortable? Oh, 100%. Um... I think here, here's the funny thing about a life. I'm, I'm not someone who would ever say we all need to be audacious because I don't know your life path. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're here to do, right? Um, I'm, not, I'm not religious anymore, but mm -hmm. you know, when I was Christian, I, also, I, I used to be um, fascinated by the story of, you know, when Jesus would go to every city, there are, he had a home to go to people hmm. to feed him, clothe him, people to take him, right? So it meant that you could be Jesus and one of his disciples and one of the people going with him, mm -hmm. or you could have, or you could be with your home, building a homestead, right? Living a very um, traditional sort of like status quo life, right? Yep. So yep. you can welcome, right? Jesus and his entourage when they mm. come. Mm. So I think it's important to come back to self which is why, you know, I'm all about like, how do you know what you know? What are you yeah. here to do? Because that also, it, it, it shapes your relationship with audacity. Hmm. Are you supposed to shake things up? Or are you supposed to hold people who shake things up? Oh, or are you supposed to go point. out and feed people, right? After they've done the shake up, right? Yeah. Everyone's going to the march. Some people are doing strategy. Some people are, you know, at yeah. going to the people. Some people are just bailing people out of jail. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And and you just, and you get up in the morning and you go where you're pulled. And yeah. um, I have more questions for, for you too, but we've also started getting more questions from our viewers. So uh, Donna says, this is one of the things I was wondering. How do we stop fear of judgment from others that stops us from being audacious? And also, I want to add to that, you didn't just go out and be audacious and everybody said, oh, Melissa, how wonderful. I'm sure you had pressures coming back at you and, and bad days and days when people were mean. Um, and even that conversation with your professor who said, you know, get it together. When you have a smack in the face like that or when you're afraid of it, how do you get up and keep going and being so purely yourself? Um, even in the face of pain and the fear of pain. Well, you're, yeah, I'm not doing, I'm not, it's not intentional while I'm doing it. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not the oracle sitting on the mountain going, mm, I have no idea, you know. Right. Um, uh, we we show up to the moment. So um, huh. how do I, how, so the question is, how do we deal with judgment? Um, judgment will never leave. We, we're social mm. creatures. We live in a real world. Um, and, 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 um, our audacity is not just impacting us, it's impacting everyone around us, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so you have to reckon with that. My sort of like wound, inner wound, is around um, sacrifice and love, right? Oh, interesting. So even though, even though my family didn't have much, anything we had came from individuals immense sacrifice mm. I, I am here because of my mother's immense sacrifices my mother exists because of her mother's immense sacrifices wow. you know my, my grandmother had her first child at 16 would go on to have 12 children oh right um, after that no literacy right couldn't read couldn't write dig dug in the um you know would dig in the field um to grow maize or to grow different things like this right wow so so when i think of oh i want to do something audacious or want to do something that's not necessarily going to be financially rewarding in the beginning entrepreneurship mm -hmm. uh the creative arts like these are not things that were like oh throwing the money <laughs> right i had to deal with a lot of my own conditioning around like what a failure i am wow what a, what a what a what a way that I am not making the most of what's been given to me of the really? as I have what oh, like yeah and that and that would be the loop in the head get it together get it together <sighs> but you know as an as a business person or as a creative that like the first is not always gonna get you what you want and you yeah, gotta get never going. And you develop skills and you knock your head and you got to meet people who can come into your life and who will hold your hand and it crumbles and it falls. That is the way. So you could almost say that um, for the person who asked this question about judgment, instead of thinking about like, I'm getting rid of judgment, that's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. Think of it as like, how do I practice the ability of looking at my wound very clearly? Mm -hmm. How do I show up today so that I can untangle some of this, right? Hmm. I, I, I will always come from a lineage of people who sacrificed for me. Mm -hmm. it, it, it will always be a thing that I stand on the shoulders of others. Right. But, but I, don't, I don't have to carry that every day in the sense that it weighs me down. Mm -hmm. I, can, like, I can play with it. I can play with it. And I can bring it in the room with me. And, and, and that relationship, I think... It's, 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 there's no one, it's not going to happen in one day. You're in play with yourself. How do you play with it? How do you play with a big legacy burden like that? I love the idea. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what, what could I do? Could I like go out and run around in the woods and play with my burdens? How do you, how do you play with it? Is that what comes up for you? That's Is what that came up for me. Yes. <laughs> what, tell, tell me more about that. Like, how would that look for you? Oh, I love being coached by a coach. Um, <laughs> Right now, it's um, going outside with a two-year-old and following her around the woods and watching her discover things. And uh, it, like the whole, all my years fall away and I get to be this two-year-old again. And it's the purest play that I've known for a long time. And when I'm there, I don't really care what people are saying about me. It's yeah. such a wild thing with this little wild kid 
who's never really been conditioned. And also the other thing is like, I wanted to talk to you again because I felt like I wanted to play with you. As, mm -hmm. as I talk about this, I think, you know, I had the same feeling when you were interviewing me that I have when I'm out with this lovely baby, that there's someone with such a bright, pure soul who's mm -hmm. engaging with the world in such a delicious way. And I don't know how you got through to being an adult with that so shining from everything you do. But maybe you were just born with a gift of being able to continue playing joyfully with things, even when life got really hard. Did you all, were you always this joyful person? No, 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 no. In fact, I like to say that when I was 20, I looked like I was 60. And now that I'm in my 30s, I'm aging backwards. Um, it's the unshedding. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's not a gift. It's one core element about my personality. I get sick of myself. I get sick of my bullshit. I love it. <laughs> I get sick of my bullshit. Do you ever just sit like, is that, do you, do you, is there a point where you're sort of basting in it and you go, okay, that's it. Yeah. 100. Oh yeah. After, after a hard knock. I mean, I'm, I've been an entrepreneur. I've gone out to raise money. Um, I worked in the creative arts, the aggregated number of no's I've heard across my adult life, trying to just do what I do is probably more than a thousand. Like I, wow. I like I hear no's every day and, uh, and some no's hit you harder than others, but yeah. now it's a practice. It's, it's, you know, now I get a no and I'm like, ah, I'll circle back in six months. <laughs> right. I'm, a, I'm a mosquito, but I want to come back to this question of like, how? So a few things, one, you know, you get sick of your own bullshit after a while, or you get uh -huh. sick of life's bullshit, right? Like mm. you just, you just get tired of being down. You just get tired of being down. You yeah. know, we're, we're supposed to, we're supposed to enjoy life if we can, right? We have people around us who make us laugh. I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. So I don't, you know, after a while, I'm just like, oh, all right, we gotta <laughs> figure this out and get back up. You know, you mentioned laughing, um, being wild. Uh, you know, I had mentioned the tree, but also being, being out in nature and not just being out in nature, being, but being loved up on nature, letting its wisdom. Mm -hmm. you. There's something about recognizing that, you know, we're so primordial. Yeah. We've been around for a long time. Um, what's happening today will not last forever. It can't. Mm -hmm. it, can, it cannot. Yeah. Um, mountains that have been around for thousands of years, love seeing those because it's almost like they talk to me and they say, get over your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I can't believe that a half an hour has almost completely just whoosh, gone away. And I'm getting messages saying, you need to invite Melissa back. This is, you know, we need more of this person. People are saying, where can we find out more about your social media? How can we get the journal? What's going on? Like, they don't want to lose you. They're feeling the same way I did. So can you say a little bit about how you can, people can get the journal and get more of you? Yeah, 100%. So um, you can follow me on um, Melissa Kigua on Instagram. I've just started getting active there. You can listen to the podcast, uh, www.theidealistpodcast.co. From there, you can find a link to find the journal. Um, I also wanted to, there's a question in the journal that also speaks to um, what you just asked about. How do you do this? So this is, was it in um, one of those old sort of like old schooly metaphysical entrepreneurial books? Not, 
not like think grow rich like napoleon hill one of those one of those right 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 and he talks about the council of advisors he had right Mm. he would call on like abraham lincoln or Vanderbilt or something like that and speak to them when he had issues and i think that part of uh, the reason why some of those books can feel really um disorienting to those of us who come from um historically marginalized communities is because it's a bunch of old white men talking to other old white (laughs) right but I ask a question in here where it's like when you're going through an issue, think of three women in your either in your legacy or who are dead, contemporary, historical, or today. What would they tell you about what you're going through? I loved through? that one. Right? That's one I, yeah, that's great. So it's like, I think of like Madam C.J. Walker, first millionaire in the United States, Black woman, started out as a maid, right? Mm. Um, if I am having a bad day and I am like, I can't, I can't even think of it. How about a woman living in the 1920s? Wow. <laughs> Black woman maid who was like, I'm going to make wow. it happen. What she tells me about resilience, grit, strength, and getting up again. Mm. Next level. Wangari Mathai, first African woman to oh, win yeah. a prize. Amazing right? woman. Tells yeah. me about planting the tree, being a tree woman. It's okay. She'll tell me you're speaking the language of the trees, oh. right? Cleopatra spoke multiple languages, sang, uh, had, you know, an empire in its profundity. What does she tell me about grace, leadership, being of the feminine and the masculine, right? So Amazing. we play, we can play. It's it, everything uh, is here for us. It's all here for us. This is brilliant. So uh, my whole my whole thing in life is that I've been looking for people I call the team. And now I call them wayfinders, people who are and I always thought I'd be here during a time of change when everything gets rattled and um, the normal things fall apart. And then as I grew older, I started to see these individuals who are who are sort of lit up. As I, I asked you if the tree was lit up, certain people look lit up. And I noticed that they didn't have any particular demographic uh, commonalities, but they had this spirit of joy and um a kind of divine consciousness that was here to make things work for themselves as individuals, but also to find a new way through the world. And Mm -hmm. and it's joyful and it's spiritual and it's also of the material and social. And you are one of the most shiny examples of this that I've ever seen. And it kind of validates my theory that people like you exist. And so I just want to sort of wrap up here by saying, here we have a Wayfinder par excellence who has gone all over the world, done a million different things, been down, 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 and up, 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 and is telling us every day that there's a practice of audacity and of not taking your own bullshit that is propelling her through life. And it's just, I just want everybody to drink that in as an example we can all follow and uh, any last words before we close out the gathering room for today, Melissa? Oh, Martha, what a gift this has been. Thank you for you and for seeing me and this platform. And I hope we can continue to play together. Um, and for those who are listening in, just know that, you know, you are here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Um, and we had someone on our show and she, she said, you're not cursed um, God doesn't hate you. God has not forgotten you. Your soul is just here to do what it's it's supposed to do, which mm-hmm. is to evolve. Every single one of us has challenges. It is what life comes with. 
right? Every rose has a thorn. It's just the nature of things, right? And so when things are hard for you, instead of saying it's hard for me, you say, oh, this is the challenge that life has given me. Mm. Right? Like, this is what I'm here to do. Like, sometimes when I'm running a business, I'm like, why is this so flipping hard? And I'm mm. like, oh, well, I'm supposed to have a challenge. So this is the challenge. Right. <laughs> I'm supposed to like it it's supposed to be yeah so uh you're not forgotten you're not you are you're doing it you're here and every day you show up you face yourself and you say what am i here to do for myself for those around me and what's my spirit here to do mm. yeah and you go where you're pulled. Well, I felt very pulled toward you and I'm so grateful that you have been here with us today and I hope you'll come back Yay. And uh, in the meantime, everybody, thank you for joining us. Love you all. Melissa, thank you so much. Get the journal and uh, we'll see you soon. Mwah. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us.